Would there be that scrutiny? Is it just the Mel Gibson thing? You guys are going to hate me, but I wasn't recording. <laughs> okay. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's good. It's like a take one. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> Back to Dragon Cross Keep Comedy. this in. <laughs> are you sure? Yeah. Because you have to press it twice, and I only pressed it oh, once. Oh, that's right. Okay. So we're here today, we're back after about two months, we're back, rebranded, and we have a, a third uh, a third co-host? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> CJ Prince, yeah. uh, you may have heard me on a previous episode yeah, when we covered yeah. uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. and uh, yeah, I'm glad to, I'm glad to okay. join us. And uh, you, you're coming here to do a topic that you suggested. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yes, uh, uh, S. Craig Zoller is dragged across concrete because um, it's 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 really in the zeitgeist of a very specific group of people on Twitter. I guess. A niche film Twitter is a niche. Then it's a niche within film. Exactly, Twitter. It's a niche exactly. Within a niche. It's a Russian doll of, of, of yeah. like <laughs> hand wringing and problematic content. Yeah. So maybe we should lay some ground here uh, about Craig Zoller. If anyone hasn't seen any of his other films, this is his third feature, but he broke onto the scene in. 2015 with Bone Tomahawk. Yeah. A film uh, which I, watching me and Alan just watched for the first time this week, and I think we both maybe had a bit of the reaction of how was this not considered more problematic four yeah, years ago? Yeah, it's crazy. You go back to the Rotten Tomatoes, and even in 2015, it got 91%. Which maybe speaks <laughs> just to the people who were watching it. Yeah. I know, most just the Fantastic Fest audience. I yeah, think that's yeah, where it yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, like yeah, that was the thing. Like I just think it, it because it didn't it didn't go to Venice. I don't think it went to TIFF or any of no. the major fall festivals. And the only genre fest it went mm-hmm. to was Fantastic, and it just and it, and it also came out very quickly right around Fantastic Fest. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was people it wasn't on people's radar, and then suddenly more and more people were like, "Hey, this movie's really way better than anything anyone expected it to be." And I even remember because it came out the same year as the Hateful Eight when the Hateful Eight came up, being like, "This is actually the real." <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. They were yeah, they were comparing it. So, yeah, that, that just I guess put him on the map, and suddenly it was uh, he got like I don't know. I don't want to say cult following, but it did kind of gain mm-hmm. traction. Uh, it is. It's impressively, I guess, like all of his movies, it's an impressively ugly film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like and yeah. morally ambivalent, and and uh, it's the sort of thing that geeks. Yeah. Geek out about, I guess. And uh, I guess we should maybe bring up what the subject matter of the movie is. It, uh, it's, just, it's sort of, a, it's somewhat of a riff on the searchers, one yeah. could say. But with the Native Americans, in this case, being uh, basically just movie monsters. <laughs> yeah. Ghouls. They call them troglodytes in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess you can argue whether that's what the purpose of that is. Is it to deflect from accusations of racism? I sort of feel like it makes it more racist, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely... No, I mean, he, he, it's it's a thing with Zoller, and, and the the word I saw someone use recently with, with you know, Drag House Concrete, his previous stuff, is plausible deniability, in which mm-hmm. he can tweak things and portray things in such a way, but not crossing a line so that you can argue over the intent, and this one is, you know, you can say, like, it's a period piece, it's reflecting a certain period of his time, and yeah, they're, they're set up as, like, um, these just very, like, an- anomaly-type, th- 
creatures or whatever, but it's still like consider, they're considered, you know, like an actual group of people. <laughs> yeah, I think the good faith reading is saying that because, I mean, they scream like movie monsters. Like they have this sort of like augmented Wilhelm scream throughout the movie. You yeah. can say, the good faith reading is like he's coding them so much as monsters that you're supposed to separate it from reality, but... The bad faith reading of that is that he's depicting indigenous people as monsters. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and just to... Well, I, I said it before, but, like, uh, he's... The, it's part of the text of the film that, like, mm-hmm. these characters are racist and they overestimate uh, their own abilities and mm-hmm. that the the group that goes after the, the woman who has been... Uh, caught and kidnapped by these uh, troglodytes uh, kind of dissembles over time. So that's part of the text of the film. But uh, when you actually get to them and you see, like, how they've been made up and their costumes and their makeup, like, it's hard to imagine how you could not find it, like, Mm -hmm. kind of shocking and appalling. And in particular, there's a scene where a character is scalped and then vivisected, I I, I guess is the term. Uh, which is to say, split in half from the crotch yeah. up the torso. <laughs> it's it's disgusting. Yeah, I, Zoller's. I think I feel like I've seen most of it all in terms of movie violence. But I feel like Zoller's films are still the few left that make me actually go oh out loud. <laughs> <laughs> so props to him for that. Um, but that film, yeah, like we said, it received a lot of acclaim and surprisingly little backlash. I feel like. Yeah, and I think there must have been people speaking about it. There were, there definitely were, but because the film was not really, it it took time before it gained all traction. Even when it did, it was still within like certain groups of of critics and stuff, and uh, within the genre crowds where this stuff is more, I guess. Tolerated, yeah, sure. Um, I guess he's woke. He was, or he was. Yeah, he 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 knows Buddha or something. (laughs) So yeah, I I think it was just because it wasn't very, it wasn't a very big release. It kind of gained over time. It took a little bit of time before people were suddenly paying attention to it and being like, "Oh, this does have problems." But it definitely is something where people, especially when Brawl and Subblock Nine Nine came out two years later, they were suddenly like, "Well, they were mentioning, but like this kind of." qualifier caveat whatever where they're in the reviews and like well you know bone tomahawk has his problems you know yeah. i would also say that there's like a higher threshold of acceptable racism in films when it comes to uh indigenous, indigenous people yeah. uh yeah which uh the <laughs> ballad of buster scruggs yeah <laughs> well kind of, yeah just be, you're right because i think when people talk about representation in films nobody ever talks about the lack of native american characters yeah on it took films. racism against immigrants and black people for people to like notice that Zola was a racist i yeah. guess um but like that was one thing i was thinking in this movie is like can you imagine what the narrative would have been if this were set in like colonial africa yeah. and it were like a tribe of indigenous africans <laughs> like it would have been maybe a little different mm-hmm and, well, like, he followed it up two years later with, as you mentioned, uh, Brawl and Cell Block 99, which I think was a bit of a, mainstream breakthroughs maybe a bit of a stretch, but, like, I think it, you know, played at TIFF, a lot of festivals, it, it's had a movie star in it, Vince Vaughn, a noted Republican. <laughs> um, yep. Well, Bone Tomahawk and Kurt Russell. Yes, yeah, and maybe Sid Haggs, a Republican, I don't know. <laughs> uh, David Arquette, who knows. Um, me and CJ, I remember we saw the press screening of... Uh, brawl together at TIFF and we, I remember us talking with a group of people after the movie and talking to other people and I don't think the racism that is maybe implicit in the film was necessarily discussed it kind of took a while I think for that movie to have somewhat of a backlash because 
the thing we should mention is that uh, Vince Vaughn plays a, a bruiser in the film, and most of the people he brutally kills or breaks the bones of are people of color. And Alan, I know you had a specific reading of the movie. Well, like, uh, uh, it totally buys into the narrative that, uh, like, the white working class is degraded by having to compete or, I guess, collaborate in certain circumstances with uh, minorities. And then I think the whole, uh, the last half of the movie, he's in prison and he has to, I guess, this is a spoiler, but he has to murder a bunch of people in order to save his baby from being... uh, aborted yeah. by like a creepy Japanese doctor yeah. um, and and it's sort of like the 14 words the like mm-hmm. neo-nazi slogan because mm-hmm. he's like has to uh, perpetuate the white race but uh, I do think one thing that I like didn't think about after watching that movie and uh, I think after watching Bone Tomahawk it kind of came up is that they're like Zoller does play both sides and there is always like hubris on the part of the white male characters who are the protagonists and like there is Vince Vaughn goes to jail because he has to go back and like kill the Latinos who screwed up a drug drop or something like that if I'm remembering correctly so there is like I'm not saying that absolves it but there is he's always playing both sides in some way and again bringing up that plausible deniability Mm -hmm. to uh, oh yeah well, and I think two things specifically maybe brought a little more scrutiny towards Zoller is, one, uh, the film we're going to be talking about in detail today, uh, Dragged Across Concrete, being announced that he was making a police brutality film starring his buddy Vince Vaughn and the, everyone's favorite, The Gibber. <laughs> uh, the Smell Gibson. For yes. And second, uh, a film he wrote on assignment uh, that came out earlier this summer on VOD, uh, Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich, which I think is like the 12th movie in the long-running uh, Puppet Master franchise. I feel like there's more, but Maybe. I have no I've not seen any of them. <laughs> the land before and, time, of <laughs> And uh, apparently features lots of jokes about triggering the SJWs and yep. Jews in ovens and... But I, I know I haven't seen it, but I'll just say, what do you expect from a Puppet Master movie? Maybe that's all he's doing. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Um, but I, this movie was met before, from the announcement to it premiering at Venice, was met with a lot of scrutiny. I remember there being a very hand wringing uh, think piece written about it right after it premiered at Venice from I think what wasn't even a movie website. I feel like they sent someone to Venice to like write it. I think he's been talking about one of the first scenes in the film, which handling down of a, a young Latina woman by Mel Gibson. Yeah, yeah. And the way that scene was described, I'm thinking, oh man, this was really like, horrible. I was just imagine being shot all handheld and just constant yelling of slurs and shoving a gun <laughs> like in her face. <laughs> and watching that scene, it kind of, it's, it's a good representation of the movie where it's shot, it's so slow paced, it's shot mostly in master shot, where I think the film is really trying to take an objective stance how successfully it does that is the thing I guess we're going to debate. Yeah. But I kind of it just brings up that I think there's a bit more to this movie than maybe the knee jerk reaction to it. Yeah. But, but should we describe it a little more what it's actually about? Uh, yeah, I, ju- I just want to say that like Zoller's for considering like how kind of touchy the subject matter is and the reputation he has, Zoller's like style, his auteurist mm-hmm. uh, flourishes are like very kind of slow burn narratives. Mm-hmm. Uh, takes it's got a lot of patience, which is why this movie is almost three hours yeah. long. <laughs> um, and then it's punctuated by like heightened scenes of violence, mm-hmm. which are as as you mentioned, 
can be quite shocking, yeah. even for people like us who watch every horror movie. Yeah. So, well, I don't watch every horror movie. But. <laughs> I mean, I didn't watch Puppet Master a little. Yeah, exactly. Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn are two cops. Gibson is the kind of like veteran who's been, you know, what did, he, what did Don Johnson say? Like banging cron- concrete or whatever yeah. for like 40 years. You know, he's just a hardened cop. And, and Vince Vaughn is his partner. And they're just really crooked, terrible mm-hmm. assholes, which you see in the first uh, uh, sequence of them together. The way they, mm-hmm. you know, they, they bust this guy um, who they suspect has drugs. And then they basically treat him terribly. And then they treat his girlfriend terribly. Um, and then it turns out someone videotaped that incident of them mistreating... Um, mm-hmm the mystery and the, the drug dealer and they uh they get suspended for six weeks without pay and uh mel gibson basically is so enraged uh and feels like you know he's not getting paid enough his family is uh they're living in a, in a crap neighborhood because there are minorities there as they as they explain in one really bad scene and um so he wants he he gets a tip from a contact of a of a of a guy who might be doing some big crime with a lot of money um, and he basically convinces Vince Vaughn that the two of them will come together, track the guy down, uh, and hopefully, if he has any money, take it for themselves so they can get a good life. I and think that's the thing is, though, that I think why this film is a little different than what it sounded to you is there's another char- prominent character in the film, an African-American man who gets out of prison. In fact, the film opens on him, I think the first 15 minutes or yeah. solely yeah. him. And he's kind of, it's paralleling their financial situations, that yeah. he's out of prison, he needs to do something to pay for his disabled brother and his mother, who's also uh, turned to desperate measures to pay the rent. Um, and I think this is where, I mean, we were talking before, this is why it's maybe his least racist movie, is because I actually think it does afford perspective and agency to people of color. Yeah. And I think he's also doing some complicated things about liberal racism in this movie or how racism works. Because that scene you mentioned, uh, Mel Gibson's daughter's introduced having a soda thrown on her by a young black boy. And naturally, the mother's reaction is to instantly go towards, oh, my daughter's soon going to be raped by a pack of black men. Like, that... And she, yeah. but, and she gives it though. Oh, I'm a liberal, but... <laughs> which... For a cop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I've... I've heard similar stuff from that from people my parents' age in private, I'll <laughs> yes. say. And I think this is that's where I kind of knew the movie was doing something actually kind of complicated. That scene of like the uh, the kids throwing the slushy on her is probably the thing that sticks out as the most racist. Yeah, thing yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, I watched it with someone who told me he said he said that scene felt like it came straight from Paul Haggis's crash. Yeah. Which it kind <laughs> of really I mean it's just it's just this like in my head, I'm just like, why do you need to, to talk about this? Like, mm-hmm. it, it's just really frustrating that he feels his need to kind of input on because no one really asks for his input. No one needs his input. Like, you're the last possible person mm-hmm. that anyone would want your input on this for. But um, I, I get it to a degree, and I think it's it's it boils down to uh, what I think Zoller is doing with this mm-hmm. is that, you know, he's had two successful films. You know, he's got a bigger budget, a bigger studio, bigger stars, and I think he's just getting more brazen with things and mm-hmm. I think it's it's he's aware um not only the reaction to his films but he's aware of the way people misinterpret films let's say mm-hmm. or you know uh take a film give you know bad faith readings to films mm-hmm. so he's you know doing these things as a way to um you know 
exploit that mm-hmm. for viewers and get them all pissed off because he's doing things that he mm-hmm. knows will specifically get a, mm-hmm. get a, an anger response. But then also, like you said, throwing in these other elements yeah. that would complicate where something mm-hmm. you're thinking like, oh my god, I can't believe he's doing this. And all of a sudden it's like, oh wait, no, he's doing this, you know, this mm-hmm. other issue, like, you know, putting a lot of time with um, a minority character and making mm-hmm. a parallel between the two of them and mm-hmm. showing their similarities. So you kind of are supposed to sit there and be like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, I think that whole thing is kind of bullshit. <laughs> but, um, uh, but I mean, I saw what he was doing and I was kind of like, I, I, it, that was a letdown for me because I, I think that's, he can do better than that, mm-hmm. in a way. Um, I, I think the way I put it is, like, I enjoy seeing an S. Craig Zoller film. Like, I thought his first two films were quite entertaining. Like, now I feel like he thinks people want to go see, like, S. Craig Zoller. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see you make a movie yeah. and focus on that. I don't really care about your own personal uh, feelings on things. So, yeah, I mean, that, that, that scene that you bring up is, I think, for me, it was more emblematic of, mm-hmm. of, like, especially that, and I think the Don Johnson scene mm-hmm. as well is really emblematic of, like, I, I just, like, this is not what I wanted to be doing as a filmmaker. There's also that, he, uh, Zoller claims that that scene was written before Gibson came on board, and there's, like, a line about, like, saying a racist thing yeah. in a tape that gets leaked. <laughs> yeah. That is absolute <laughs> bullshit. That well, is such bullshit. Well, the thing is, is that I was kind of posing this question uh, in audio time we lost, but <laughs> if this film starred Bruce Willis or Kevin Costner, saying the lead or someone of kind of Gibson's age and faded star wattage, would we be, like, jumping to this kind of conclusion? Or would this be this outrage rather than... But at the same time, I think it wouldn't be as good of a movie without Mel Gibson and Lee. Because I actually think that's one of the most interesting movie things this movie is doing is just very much asking you to read Mel Gibson's personal history. Into the yeah. World. Well, I mean, Bruce Willis did Death Wish, which yeah. is, uh, like, a less good and less interesting version of this movie, <laughs> basically. Um, uh, so I guess, like, you would read it. I don't know, Kevin Costner, because... Kevin Costner, Republican. He plays golf with Bill Clinton. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. He, he seems like a down the middle guy. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. I I don't know. I feel like if it had someone like Bruce Willis, I think it would be more ignored mm-hmm. than anything. And that's just because, like you said, Death Wish, which just completely mm-hmm. bombed. Granted, mm-hmm. you know there were plenty of other factors that would contribute to that, but um, no, it's definitely with Gibson. And there is something interesting to me, like. It's this, I think it's like this weird, like, prophecy, not prophecy, it's it's fulfilling this expectation, let's say, where, um, you know, Mel Gibson was trying to get this career resurrection, and he was in Daddy's Home too, and and trying to do these things, and people complained, they were like, no, don't go, but the film's still, I think it did okay, and all that. Well, Hacksaw Ridge. Nominated for Mr. Hacksaw Ridge, exactly, exactly, so I'm thinking of him on screen, but yeah, behind the screen, definitely, and yet, um, then he does this film. And because, you know, it's not, say, a big mainstream comedy with, you know, or this oscar Beatty movie about how awesome our troops are, anything like that, um, it's suddenly, like, everyone's like, oh, like, it's like everyone got this opportunity where it's like, this is the one, like, we can totally, you know, shit all over this, because it totally is in line with, it's Mel Gibson doing, like, the most Mel Gibson thing people would, you know, associate with with him and his uh, Mm -hmm. perception. So I think that's why people are very eager to hop on this one. Yeah, and Zoller, I did look at an interview where he was, like, saying, I just cast him because he's a good actor, I didn't consider his <laughs> yeah. personal, that's just bullshit. Like, Zoller's um, interviews are completely useless, yeah. which I kind of respect, actually. He's yeah. doing, like, the John Ford thing where he just yeah, refuses yeah. to, like, read any kind of subtext. I, did, yeah, I, I don't know, I get the feeling, I like his films a lot, I get the feeling he's just a, a geeky libertarian who's into, like, black metal and, like, video games and, like, <laughs> Clive Barker books. Yeah. But, um... 
Well, yeah, because there's there's a scene where you know in the film where Gibson's specifically talking about how he was thrown aside because he refused to politic and he refused to go up to times. I think that scene is meant to be objective, but I can watching Mel Gibson that scene. I feel like he means every word of that. <laughs> no way. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, it's. I mean, there's also the fact that uh, what is destroying Mel Gibson's career or tapes that leaked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I yeah. mean, that's also like, that's, that's, there's no way, there's no way this dollar wasn't kind of <laughs> like, uh-huh, like, uh, yeah, it's a really, it's, it's, it's just, a, yes, I mean, that stuff swirls around the film. It's, it's mm-hmm. in there. You can't not think about it. Zoller knows you can't not think about mm-hmm. it. And, um, and then it's even more complicated by the fact that Mel Gibson is very strong in the movie. His performance yeah. is really good, really restrained, which I didn't expect. I mean, mm-hmm. I should have, because, um, you know, like, even in Brawl and Block, like, Vince Vaughn is still very mm-hmm. restrained. I didn't, for some reason, I didn't expect it to be so much of Mel Gibson's movie, I thought, because Vince Vaughn was in there. Mm-hmm. But Vince Vaughn is yeah. very much a very supporting character. He doesn't really have much as presence which is kind of crazy because he had like crazy screen he did have my all. favorite line in the movie when he the fact that he's not a racist says he gets an extra dark roast every MLK oh day which made me laugh out loud <laughs> that, that was really funny just like, I was just like Jesus there are lines like that I think I think that the, the the high point is or low point depending on how you look at it is the the likewise for Mel Gibson which <laughs> towards the end which yeah. is just like I just sat there I was like wow okay you're really doing that um Okay. <laughs> and the thing is, we should get into why the movie is 159 minutes long, which is, uh-huh. it is, ex- I, I described it, it kind of moves at Twin Peaks The Return speed, <laughs> where it's just very long, elongated shots of people just doing things, whether it's Vince Vaughn eating a sandwich. I think, like, almost an hour and a half of the movie is just one kind of setup, though, yeah. which is honestly, like, so impressive yeah. in terms of his filmmaking yeah. and so well done. Well, I, I think the leap to me from Bone Tomahawk to Brawl and Cell Block 99 is pretty remarkable because Bone Tomahawk feels a little rough around the edges. Mm-hmm. And just, it's you took this like massive leap to me in terms of film craft in the span of two years. I don't know if it's like budget or a better cinematographer. I don't know. But I think this is also his most accomplished movie in terms of how yeah. riveting it does make just long scenes of nothing happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's this weird thing because like it's like you feel it but at the same time there's never it's not boring i'm not like mm-hmm. oh i'm so bored i'm just like it's taking in sweet ass time it's mm-hmm. really really deliberate i would say yeah i mean there was there was definitely a, an improvement with uh brawl cuz brawl is similar like brawl is just kind of crazy compel like compelling mm-hmm. throughout but you can feel it you're like wow it's so long but you kind of i had no reason to stop watching mm-hmm. um and, and and also brawl is also a very i would say like yeah, he improved. Although visually, I think Brawl is really ugly and cheap. But um, <laughs> it's and then on uh, and but on this one, I think the cinematography is 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 much better and, mm-hmm. and there's thought. I think there's a lot of thought put into the way mm-hmm. um, he is, you know, setting up these scenes and making sure like everything feels so, I guess, precise in terms mm-hmm. of just editing and stuff. But it's not flashy. I don't like the camera ever moves no. at all. Right? It's just strictly these these mm-hmm. like static shots. Um, and, and I mean that alone is really fascinating, and the way like how much effort and thought he puts into the pacing. And I do think, yeah, it's his, it is his most accomplished film on like a technical mm-hmm. level, but it's also like weirdly very frustrating because it's mm-hmm. it's like it is just it's also like his most indulgent film mm-hmm. uh, yeah. in how long it is. I will say that with more so with this film, uh, 
but also with Cell Block 99, he does something which he didn't do in Bone Tomahawk, which is that, like, when he has the, these non-white characters, like, he gives them faces uh, and, like, actually makes them people, uh, which is, I guess, an improvement of some kind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, like, even in, like, uh, Brawl, like, he had, like, accomplished character actors mm-hmm. playing the roles, mm-hmm. so it, and it you can't just, like, dismiss their agency in choosing to do that. And also, he collaborated with the OJs, the classic Motown band, on the score for this movie. He co-wrote songs with them, which makes me think, yeah, it makes me buy into the he's not a white nationalist narrative a little bit. No, a distinct right. collaborator. Works. I mean, Michael J. White has choices. He can do some more Tyler Perry yeah, yeah. and everything. Like he doesn't have to do this movie. He doesn't yeah. want to. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say White National. Like I, I, <laughs> it, I, I knew somebody who was like, he's like, oh, Escazal is a white supremacist, and I was like, oh, what did you see? He's like, I haven't seen any of his movies. Yeah. Like, you, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's. I wouldn't go that far because I just feel like I don't know. I, I'm going to ask a question I know someone will have an answer to instantly somewhere, but I was going to be like, in the last, like, 20 years, in the, no, in the last 20 years, name, like, a full-blown white supremacist who, like, started a career and, like, was actually very successful. Within, like, the last 15, 20 years, I just think if someone was, I, I don't know why we had this whole idea of, like, I just feel like people are just eager to, like, walk up to Zoller and just tear his face off and be like, aha, like, yeah. it's there all along, and it's like... There's been, it's what I kind of call the God is ass attitude yeah. a lot of people have nowadays yeah. of like people like it's almost like these people think we're gonna take down trump if we you know call out all the problematic people <laughs> i get but I, they yeah. like i feel like people don't realize that like that kind of pervasive attitude is also what makes this movie like effective in it's like or mm-hmm. his movies in general in their like kind of their more trolling aspects yeah like that's that's where the power comes yeah. from and <laughs> for better or worse i find his Trolling his him and his worst trolling is still more interesting than to me than Jeremy Saulnier or Nick Pizzolatto, <laughs> John yeah. Hillcoat or Andrew Dominic or yeah he's, he's no he's a really really fascinating filmmaker and like I think it's just I think it's also what pisses people off in that here is someone with an ideology and and viewpoint that's mm-hmm. so opposed to you know what should be considered good and all that and uh, or right and proper and yet he is extremely talented at what he's doing because you obviously you know. It's, it's the art and artist whole debate, but um, no, I think he's, he's really good at that. I wouldn't say he's a white nationalist. I think he's definitely a troll. Like, holy yeah. shit, this movie is just him trolling mm-hmm. so hard. And I was, I don't like him trolling. I don't think he should do that. I think it's, it's better when he doesn't do it. But I would say, I, I talked to someone yesterday, but it, it's, I think the biggest troll in that movie, not, mm-hmm. not even just the politics, but like the <clears> biggest <throat> troll. And now, and it's also the moment where I was like, oh, like if I had any doubts that he was trolling this cleared up in an instant is Jennifer Carpenter. Yeah. I, that is so, like, well, stupid. This but. is the thing where, I, I, if I took this movie, I think the movie's treatment of women is not very good. That's where I think I would actually take the most. I think, I think yeah, I mean, even, I think the, the only character um, who comes out, like, a, a female character, because it is... I think the daughter, who is the only time we ever see her, is getting shit thrown on her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and just, like, miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's No, there's definitely issues with that, but it's... it's Yeah, I just... Like, the, the thing with Jennifer Carpenter and, like, her scene, which I don't... I guess I won't spoil in effect, but it reaches a point in which even the film's own, like, I guess, world it's set up it starts, like, cracking, where you can kind of see there's an absurdity... To what's happening uh, with her character, which um, I, I think, like all of his films, reach a breaking point like that, where yeah. they, they they move from something absurd into like uh, 
something mm-hmm. extremely violent and, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. in a very nihilistic way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that literally is a turning point because yeah. that is when, like, the, the, the actual, like... It is also... I watched half of this movie last night. Uh, I tried to do a double bill of Bone Tomahawk and, and this movie last oh, night. Oh and uh, It's like six hours right there. That That's exactly <laughs> the middle of the movie because that's yeah. when I turned it off and went to bed and yeah. <laughs> finished it this morning. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, too, because, like, Brawl and Buck 99 played Midnight Madness, mm-hmm. but it was done in this weird way in which it started around, like, 10.30 instead mm-hmm. of midnight because um, Peter Kaplowski programmed it made it so that once midnight hit it was the exact moment in the movie yeah. when it would yeah. switch over to a midnight movie and um and i'm guessing with this one it's like it has that moment like there's a scene where it like switches over and it starts mm. going into the more but but it's still really real it's it's i feel like his movies are going to lose over time if he, you know if he keeps making them they're going to lose that kind of like immediacy and fast-paced rush quality of like the first two mm-hmm. in terms of becoming so violent and, and such a shift and they're going to start being more like this film, where once it does go, it's still drawn out. Like, you have, like, a big confrontation, but it's drawn out to, like, mm-hmm. an hour. Yeah. Um, which, and that was really fascinating to me, that now, like, the thing that people were really into, which is that huge change in genre, is now kind of turning into his setup. <laughs> in terms, like, it's being really drawn out, it's taking its time, uh, it's going at such a slow pace. Uh, so I feel like he's going to go down that road even further with his next films. And he's clearly very infatuated with the fake city of Bulwark he came out with. <laughs> Which I don't know if what it's Filmed in Vancouver. It's Vancouver, yeah. Yeah, because you see the mountains outside. They do, mountains. they do like an admiral job of like trying to make Vancouver look like a shitty place. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quite also, successful. Also, shout out to the reviewers I've been reading that refer to uh, them as LAPD. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, I like, saw that I too. I saw no mention of LA uh, yeah. in that film unless Bulwark I saw a lot of mountains in the background. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh... Yeah, that was that was where I was watching. I was like, "This looks like Vancouver." <laughs> like, I had to look it up. Well, the, it's like very obvious in the the Don Johnson scene because you see like the yeah. Vancouver yeah, Harbor the like outside. Yeah, maybe we should talk about more of the Don Johnson scene because that's like that's like that's just straight up like I just felt like that was just like. Well, but also again, maybe again, I'm doing like these ultimate good faith take with the movie. <laughs> But where, again, where I just felt like everything in the movie was shot to be as objective as possible, where that scene is, again, it's shot very much at a distance. Yeah. And where it's like, I guess, you're, you're trained to think in the classical film style, that's like, again, it's like not, indoor, when you don't shoot it close up of someone, you're not supposed to be enthralled by what they're saying or whatnot. Yeah. But it's... I mean, what was interesting, like, that scene, and, like, they're literally talking about, like, oh, man, like, technology's really ruined, and we can't can't beat the shit out of minorities anymore, because there could be eyes on us, and they're just, like, complaining, I'm just saying, they're like, wow, like, he's really just, like, doing this, they're just like, this is so... But then it it, it closes with just Mel Gibson and Don Johnson's characters alone, Mm -hmm. and Don Johnson basically tells him, like... Yeah, you're like living this old life, old life. I mean, but you're not changing your ways. Mm-hmm. You're not adapting in any way. You're not acknowledging that the environment. You're you're, you're so not, stubborn and arrogant. You think that like being woke on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, like you're just stubborn, and arrogant. Like you're not expe- you, you you're you're not you're checking one, your privilege. Bill. Yeah, 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 you're one person. You're one person expecting everyone to change your demands and not and not the other way around. And I was just like, okay, so he's showing an awareness. Like, and this is the thing, he's showing an awareness of it. So that whole scene before, you know, it's just to me, I just think it's him like trolling, it's him mm-hmm. trying to get arise and then ending it with that little thing where you're kind of supposed to be like oh hmm, yes depiction endorsement blah 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 like i think there's like an edge to that where like the the don johnson character is like humoring them before he like punishes yeah. them you know and and yeah. i don't like i just 
when I was looking up reviews, there's a Daily Beast article which is like, Drive Across Concrete is a violent right-wing fantasy. Yeah. And, like, they point out that scene and it's like they have no awareness of it, like, yeah. beyond, like, just the words that are said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and also it's weird because, like, whose fantasy is this movie? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's such a weird thing. It's like, yeah, I mean, like, he knows, like, he's gonna, he, he writes his dialogue and people are just going to simply hear those lines ignore yeah. the context that mm -hmm. they're in. Um, the, 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 the guys refer to as black gloves and, and gray gloves as two henchmen. Like, they just say racist, like, straight up just racist shit as, like, to and antagonize people. And make the two black characters wear white face at one point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, and it's just, like, there are things that like you're saying there, it's like, okay, like, yeah, I know... Which is, like, the reverse good time. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, and that's why it's, like, yeah, I know, I'm, I know for a fact that, like, well, I don't know for a fact I shouldn't be that declarative, but, like, with Zoller, he... You know, I know he's thinking about the whole depiction endorsement mm -hmm. debate, and that's why. Like to me, I'm watching. I'm like, no, I don't think he's saying these guys are great or anything. Like, you know, they're they're clearly pieces of shit. Mm -hmm. They they were punished for doing a terrible thing, yeah. et cetera. But um, but I know like you know people are gonna watch the scene with them. You know, mm -hmm. like interrogating that that um that woman and and you know having her standing there naked and mm -hmm. freezing and and then basically tricking her into you know helping them and all this stuff and just they're gonna people are just gonna see that mm -hmm. just see those things and remove like the concerts that would just be like i'm very upset that this thing is on the screen period mm -hmm. not questioning whether or not like you know maybe it's being shown to be bad <laughs> yeah but i mean i also think that a lot of people are gonna like see that scene and like not see it as bad like i mean they're successful in like finding mm -hmm. the, the the money and everything and like the, there is that kind of like it's like the lars von trier thing where it's like yeah. he knows he's a misogynist he comments on his own misogyny but does that excuse yeah. well, it's, and it's like where where does that end yeah like i remember seeing something on twitter someone saying something negative about house that jack built that the the scene where jack is like justifying genocide as art how when he's debating with uh, Bruno Guys, she says, no, stop it, stop it. And that scene is disgusting because it's not actually countering the argument he's making. Which is just, like, which I feel like some of the bad faith takes this movie are, it's like, it's not... Like, I feel like you can... You're supposed to, like, say... Bring to the, what Mel Gibson is saying is fucked up. Like I, Yes, it's it's this thing in which... I mean, this is kind of an issue which I feel a lot of these, like, opinions and stuff come out are one in which they are trying to... Um, I feel filmmakers should be able to assume their viewers have enough of a baseline, mm -hmm. like, knowledge or moral compass to be like, yeah, this is clearly bad. Like, it's like, you see someone get murdered, you don't have to have someone be like, yeah. this is a really bad thing. Like, people should be like, yeah, that's someone's life being taken, that's mm -hmm. terrible. Um, and I feel like <laughs> there, there's just, like, there's just things where people, like, they, 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 they're like, no, I need the film to say this. I need the film to explicitly tell me, like, this is terrible. And, and that way I need to know. It's like, you don't, I remember someone was complaining about, like, the House of Jack Bill, and they were just sitting there, for, like, all oh, this horrible thing, these women and children, and I was just like, what am I supposed to, to do with this, something like that, and I was like, you use your own judgment yeah. as a human being, like, he's clearly a horrible person, like, he, like, what is, like, what is the, the problem, um, so, I mean, that, that kind of bothers me, like, crazy, because I feel mm -hmm. there are definitely bad faith readings into films, yeah. I just don't acknowledge the fact of just, like, I think any, most people, and you can't make films with, like, the idea of like, okay, maybe this one person or these two people might just suddenly yeah. you know, take the total opposite reading of this thing that in society is clearly deemed a terrible thing. Um, I don't know. I just I always feel like it's it's a bit bullshit to kind of put that responsibility on the filmmaker and kind of like you have to be yeah. you know compensating for all these things. But I don't know. Um, um, I would say that like um, 
I, people have pointed out that this is sort of a post-Tarantino work mm. in that it sort of calls back to, like, genre movies before, uh, the, the, I guess, the postmodern turn, I guess you could say, but, like, the sort of, before people had to, like, ironize everything. Um, but it also feels to me like I, I think that we live in a sort of degraded, vulgar culture <laughs> right now, uh, as, as evidenced by the president. And part of the reason for that is that, like, what was an unconscious hierarchy of, like, white supremacy and patriarchy is now conscious. Yeah. and mask off. Yeah, mask off. Those people are fighting for their, like, spot at the top of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and us, too, I guess, you know, less... Not, not, not... I don't know what to say. But we are white and men, so that's what I'm saying. Anyway, Really? <laughs> Just in case you didn't know. <laughs> but, uh, like, I, I think that Zoller's movies... Well, Cell Block 99 and uh, uh, this one are, like, they take place in a world where they don't try to, like, kind of disguise that with, like, tokenized casting or, or uh, you know, kind of gliding over those things. Uh, and I think that they're interesting for that reason. And, like, the Gibson character is, like, I mean, he's, like, a boomer Trump voter. Like, yeah. Obviously, like, yeah. airing his grievances towards minorities, towards women, towards blurring gender lines. Yeah. Uh, and not in a way that is, like... Tim Allen doing it on what's that last man standing? <laughs> like, like it's critical. Is <laughs> it Tim Allen in this? And, and it's sort of like it's tied to a material reality uh, of like declining middle class standards and and even towards like the the black characters who are you know coming out of prison in an age of mass incarceration. Like it's tied like people are complaining about this, but it's like also because liberal cinema and Hollywood cinema has like completely lost any kind of grounding in material reality. Mm -hmm. And yeah. maybe if there was more depictions of that, this wouldn't seem so potent. This wouldn't yeah. seem so troublesome to people. Um, yeah. Better than widows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most things are better than widows. <laughs> Jesus. Oh God. Uh, Don't remind me. <laughs> I actually thought Widows was okay, <laughs> but no, this is yeah. definitely better. I remember I saw that because I was, you know, I was away and I didn't see, I wasn't at TIFF, so mm -hmm. I was, you know, away and I finally caught up with it later and I just, like, I just turned to Prozol and I was like, what the fuck was everyone at <laughs> TIFF smoking on this movie? It is so bad, but anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, no, definitely not Widows. I think I agree, like, there is a disconnect in there, you know, especially with a certain, yeah, I guess the, like, for lack of a better term or description, like Hollywood liberal type approach, and, and Zoller is definitely not with that. Now, as to the degree in which I think that Zoller is, like, explicitly... Um, I don't know how to put it. I don't... I, I really don't get the vibe of, like, you know, white supremacists, like, hating minorities and, like, all this stuff. It's reactionary as hell. Like, that, yeah. that's mm -hmm. evident from the get-go. But I don't... I think... I mean, when I watched when I watched Brawl and Silver Kind, I was like, okay, I get like he, he's he's he is appealing to that that I think middle class to like lower middle class like Trump voter who you know is saying that they just feel like you know the system is not working for them anymore and they're just mad you know because like they put in this work they do these you know they do what they were supposed to do yeah. and now mm -hmm. it's not working for them and really I think the 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 difference is are you putting that fault thinking that it's, you know, these marginalized groups who are taking it from you and this yeah. is working for them, or are you going, it works for no one, and it's, you know, these other, you know, let's say upper higher class that are responsible and, and causing it. And I don't think um, within this dichotomy I just created, I don't think that he falls into, um, I really don't think he falls into the whole, like, blame marginalized groups and stuff. Um, well, I, I mean, the end of the movie... 
I don't know how to talk about this without spoilers, but it's yeah. literally like a demonstration of how those uh, divisions and grievances harm both groups. Like, <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's it's it is just this thing where I'm just saying like, yeah, I mean, it's it's like, what better you know like expression for race relations with two people than having you know like a white person and a black person. Um, basically, just with guns, like, ready to just pull. It. Like every, just feel like yeah, that's every. Like you just say, like every interaction is like that. You're just waiting for someone to just pull the gun out on you. Um, it's yeah. I mean, that's interesting in a way. And and um, and yeah, like you said, post Tarantino earlier, and I thought about the hateful eight during this because there was a vibe of that kind of like, um, not necessarily, but I mean, hateful eight is one I think is. A, terrible movie but it's um and and, and i mean like and the whole message at the end is like is like we can come together to hate another you know group and and um and there is a kind of vibe i was starting to get from from this movie it was like oh no but um yeah i think it it kind of helps turn back by going like by suddenly saying like no no this is how we all kind of get you know screwed over in the end under capitalism yeah movies are always a socialist (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) that's that's all wow we've come through the looking glass (laughs) this is a real galaxy brain woke woke on class not so woke on class (laughs) race and race and gender (laughs) no but i mean this is this is the problem i mean you can look at it on a class scale and you can say like yeah it's more socialist but i mean you can't do that because there's so much of the race shit and the other shit that's in the mix and you can't you can't just close your eyes to that and open your eyes to the other uh, so yeah, better than Widow is not quite as good as Den of Thieves. We need. Yeah, you know, like when I, when I, again, I don't can't remember if I said this before we were recording, but uh, like it was announced as like a three-hour, or like if I first read about Drag Cross Concrete as a three-hour epic on police brutality starring Mel Gibson. <laughs> so I would not say this movie is about police brutality. Yeah, um, and. I was sort of expecting from that description that it would be like very overwrought, much like Death of Thieves, yeah. but it's not. It's it's uh, unironically a very well made movie. Um, I will recommend it to my dad. <laughs> I yeah, I'll, I'll recommend it to my dad. But I'll tell him to be patient watching. Yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> uh, so does this movie have that DMX feeling? Hmm. I. I'm a little more in the middle. I'm leaning more towards yes than a no. Okay. Take it away. Take it away. <laughs> I say it has less of that DMX feeling than uh, Brawl and Cell Dog 99. Okay. But I, I think like yeah. it sort of earns that DMX feeling just by casting Mel Gibson. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, uh, this is our first episode, and I I want to be. Uh, careful like i want to be i want to date them the dmx feelings out very uh conservatively i'll say no Ooh. just to be but i uh think i give a, a full-throated recommendation of this movie uh yeah it'll probably be in my top 10 movies of the year <laughs> i'm not gonna lie <laughs> that's good yeah it gave us a lot more to talk about than uh most movies that come out. <laughs> yeah yeah street corner Like the strut, canines like the hunt.